The Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is you? Know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah! Today, woo, I've got the star and profile like never before. From our 1077 The Bone Studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click. Bimbo Jimbo alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. And Huey, I was thinking a lot about this episode Mm -hmm. and what sort of the theme of it was going to be. And I came to settle on one phrase that stuck out to me from All In. Okay. And it was, this is a moment in time. And it was being used on commentary to describe the moments just before the bell rang and Cody's match, uh, you know, for the NWA world's title. Yeah. Uh, But to me, I thought that was a perfect, it was a perfect phrase for that moment for Cody and the NWA title. But it came to encapsulate more than just that moment as I sort of thought about it. Because I think we got a couple of moments in time from this week in wrestling and we're going to get into that as we go along but uh we're live pal i know it's exciting time right now first off once again thank you to all of our listeners out there it's just been really amazing the last few weeks now since we've been doing this podcast the amount of traction we're getting people complimenting us and people asking us to be on the podcast now so it's pretty cool that we're kind of building up a possible guest down the road in the near future so it's just really cool that Something you and I, we've been talking about this. I know we talked about this before, but this has been like a long time passion project in the making. Yeah. We were doing it regularly now. It feels awesome. And I mean, we've been covering wrestling yeah. for years. It's just it's just nice to have a sort of more bow around dedicated for everything that we're doing. And you mentioned guests, and we are going to have a very special guest yes. in this episode of In the Click. We are going to be talking to former Lucha Underground champion. Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, John Morrison, John Gimmick name, whatever you want to call him, he will be joining us in the click later on in this episode. Looking forward to that. We have, uh, it's actually, we can say this, we have some history with Johnny. We have a lot of history with Johnny. I know, and it's uh, maybe after the interview we can kind of recap some of that stuff, but it's really safe to say he's a friend of us and a friend of the radio station, and we've done a lot of great things with him, so looking forward to talking, catching up with our old friend. I, I think in terms of the, our roster of friends of the show that we could literally just try to describe as friends of the show we have cody rhodes chris jericho and johnny mundo or and that's and you know that's a pretty good faction like in terms of we're building up our own click yeah it's pretty it's not it's not too bad i was looking like, for a much, pin I'm pretty sure all three of them big Shawn michaels fans so yeah. i was I'll looking for a, a pin to drop all those names we're dropping yeah, right exactly. now <laughs> but, sorry you know, so we will be talking to uh johnny mundo later on this episode but we got to start with all in yes. we gave our little preview of it last episode mm-hmm. uh you know I, I want to get your overall reaction to it, some of the highlights. Uh, for me, I thought I thought it was a Grand Slam home run. I think, uh, you know, what people are throwing around is entirely accurate. It is such a historical moment mm-hmm. in pro wrestling history, and they hit it out of the park. 
uh, God, what an undertaking to pull off. And from every all the reaction and stuff like that, like the praise has been so positive. Uh, and in going back through Starcast and everything too, it just it sounds like it was just it was a pro wrestling love fest in Chicago. I am so so sad Jealous. that we were not there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll definitely have to be there. But overall, what was your take on it? It's just I was trying to think of a way to sum it up because here we are recording our episode for this week and we've been now what, a few days since the event happened and there was a lot of people who were putting putting a lot of like instant reviews and critiques and uh just their own podcasts and videos out there so i was watching a lot of them and definitely the common theme amongst all those reviews and it's just very similar what you and i were saying it was just a very fun entertaining show created by wrestling fans for the fans or uh wrestlers for the fans if that makes sense it's, it was it was like oh god there's so many to, different, to me it was like a love letter to pro wrestling yeah yeah there, there, there was there's something for everyone on that show which yeah. i think no offense to wwe at times they kind of get away from that wwe has their own agenda when they go out there and do their shows their pay-per-views all their big events and listen that's why they are where they are they're the top dog in the world when it comes to professional wrestling. But this show, for one night only at least, it was an amazing accomplishment. And I I, I saw this kind of online uh, as well. I think a lot of people were comparing this. This is almost like ECW's one night only. It was, as far as for right now, this is the first and only all-in that we've experienced. And what they accomplished and what they showed us that night and provided for entertainment for us fans, it was amazing. Like I said, a little bit, there's different type of matches for all of us out there depending what kind of wrestling fan you are what you look for when you go to a wrestling show it had something for everyone and the one thing i think right off the bat i told you that night when we were watching it felt like kind of like an all-star game yeah it was i think that's a terrific terrific take it was like the biggest names in wrestling non-wwe talent it was like the who's who that were there and it was really i gotta applaud this as well that multiple promotions we're working together, or at least their talent were working together. You had guys from Ring of Honor. Because, okay, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and a lot of the Bullet Club guys, they're known for their time currently in Ring of Honor and also New Japan Pro Wrestling, and a lot of their friends and people from those rosters. So I think they probably had a lot of Ring of Honor helping, maybe with a lot of the technical side of things, maybe as far as even the, the ramp and the ring, you know, setting up all the ins and outs, like the, the actual like grunt work. And so... It was cool seeing that you had Ring of Honor guys, you had uh, New Japan people, Impact Wrestling. I was saying Lucha Underground, but it was also more kind of like AAA, CML yeah. talent as well. So it's just amazing that they all can come together, work together, and put on an amazing show to entertain the fans for one night. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. It definitely had that feel to it. It felt like a huge deal. And, yes. you know, and it did, but nobody, it didn't feel like they weren't ready for the moment. And I, th- I think I just think they really delivered. And I want to start with somebody who, to me, uh, I, I think really delivered. That was Stephen Amell of Arrow. <laughs> you know, I mean, he had a great opponent to sort of, you know, take him through the match and Christopher Daniels. But I got to give Stephen Amell credit his for for wrestling as little as he has and having the schedule that he has with being an actor and stuff like that. And look, the guy, the guy's in like tremendous physical shape. Like you, if you watch Arrow, watch him on like American Ninja Warrior or whatever it was like he I mean, he's the real deal in terms of his, you know, physical preparation yeah. and stuff like that. But 
uh, he impressed me, man. I, he he did some spots he didn't have to do. I mean, he ate it through the table and everything. Like, I, I, I think he won over a lot of skeptics, you, you know, that thought that maybe he was just, you know, some celebrity throw in. I, I actually, I, I really enjoyed his match with with Christopher Daniels. Maybe it went on a little bit too long, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I thought I thought Stephen Amell acquitted himself very well. And I was surprised. You know, it's cool sometimes that the celebrity can lose, and that's okay. That the sort of the established legendary wrestler can win against a celebrity. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Exactly. I was very happy to see that because okay. The other thing I was going to say as well is like a lot of people were calling this like the independent WrestleMania in a way. It was, you know, as far as it was independent, sh- biggest well, show. Biggest, it was the biggest indie wrestling show of all time. Exactly. I think that sense like the late 90s. I think there was a triple A show in Southern California or something that was pretty close. But yeah, you're right. This was the biggest one ever. But comparing to WrestleMania, WrestleMania has that star power. Celebrities there in attendance, either participating matches. So Stephen Amell took checked off that on their Long list of check items that I think wrestling fans want to see for the night. So, yeah, his star power was great because then I think a lot of non-wrestling reporters, entertainment reporters were also covering this event. So it was a great way to get extra eyeballs eyeballs. exactly on this show. Yeah, to his credit, he went out there. I was a little like there were some parts I wish he was doing a better job selling. But overall, I mean, like there's little things we can nitpick. Selling is a problem in pro wrestling. Yeah, beyond just Stephen Amell, though. You Even know? like I'll get into that with Kenny Omega match. There were some selling issues. I'll, I'll reference that later. But for this match specifically, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, to Stephen Amell to go in there and work it out. I think that's why Jerry Lynn was in there refereeing the, the match. I think just have an expert, a second expert in there to kind of help carry the match as well. Like the ref has an important job, kind of. I think directing the flow of the match. I think having him in there was also just important too. Yeah, I mean, but Steven was in there with with one of the greats and was in there with with the right guy to lead him through a match. And again, Steven held up his end of the bargain. So big, big, big kudos to him and to Christopher Daniels. I thought that was a really fun, really good match. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. The the only, if I were to have a critique of All Mm -hmm. In, which I don't really, and I don't want to, I'm not going to run it down because it was a great show. My only, my only sort of like head scratcher thing is how the card was sort of like laid out. Yeah. And and that, because that takes us to the next match that I want to talk about, which Mm -hmm. I assumed and I still believe should have been the match that closed the show. Mm -hmm. I think everybody thought it was going to be the main event. Now, I don't know if Cody maybe didn't want to book himself in the main event of his, you know, his own show or whatever. And I sort of, you know, and part of me respects that. And I know Cody's such a humble, good guy that maybe he wouldn't want to do that. But to me, Cody taking on Nick Aldis for the NWA world's title, that's, that's the moment that they were sort of selling as like the main event of this show. To me, that was the biggest match. That was the most important match. So I was stunned to see where it came up on the card, like midway through the show and uh, but, you know, it comes back to the this is a moment in time thing. I loved the corner men aspect. They really did a great job of just putting over the importance of a title that over the years uh, until Billy Corgan has done this sort of uh, resuscitation mm-hmm. hasn't mattered. And it's it's fallen on really hard times. And uh, I think it now, it, you know, and again, great job by Tim Storm and Nick Aldis and everything like that. But after All In, that's the most important right now, today, is the most important NWA World's title has been in a very, very long time. 
Um, I was so thrilled to just the, the the sort of the pomp and circumstance of the whole, the pageantry of the whole thing. Um, and I thought they delivered a really good match, Cody and Nick. And uh, I, I just, what a great moment to watch with mm-hmm. Cody winning the, the title of his father. Yeah. You know, did a did a Rhodes Flair blade job. <laughs> Uh, the crimson mask. I love that his hair was blonde for it. He had to. He's had to ditch it again for Arrow and stuff I know. like that. But I'm happy he was blonde here. I, I I just I loved everything surrounding it. I thought I thought they did such a good job of of selling this matchup. It felt like such a huge deal. The crowd was red hot for it. What did you think? <laughs> well, first I'm just going back to the hair. I'm worried that his hair is going to be fried from being uh, bleached out so many times in the last few months. But yeah, overall that big fight atmosphere the build-up to it the match itself everything about it is it's a reminder of why we love professional wrestling and to their credit um one just okay the build-up to it as far as them appearing at various promotions and kind of having uh, face-offs in the ring talking to each other and then also using social media to kind of enhance the stories i mean we are in 2018 so you got to use social media to add some flavor to your story. They did an amazing job doing that. But also, to going back to that big fight atmosphere is uh, just kind of ironic. You and I are wearing Stone Cold HBK shirts right now. And I'm thinking of WrestleMania 14 as far as that build. Like they had the press conference with Mike Tyson yeah. and building up for them eventually squaring off. And that's something I think we kind of got away from in many ways over the years. We don't have like... These pre- as many press conferences or just kind of building up the matchup yeah. between the two people. In today's world, WWE, like we know they'll announce two guys wrestling each other and then over the next few weeks on Raw or SmackDown Live respectively, they'll they'll have like uh, matches against each other in different combinations. Yeah. Like they'll put them in a tag match facing, like they'll take two feuds, put them together a tag team match in different combinations. So you kind of see them working against each other a lot. So by the time the actual match happens, you're kind of a little burnt out. You've seen this in a way yeah. already leading up to it on TV. This, they haven't actually been in a ring against each other as far as this buildup. So when they actually got in the ring against each other, it was like kind of a surprise. Like, wow, I, I don't know how they're going to handle each other from a strategy standpoint. And to that end, I think that's why Brock's original, uh, you know, the not his universal title reign, but his WWE title reign in the lead up to WrestleMania 31 and everything mm-hmm. like that. Like, that that's why I thought it worked for Brock not being there all the time because there was sort of that big fight feel whenever he did show up. Now they might have gone a little too far with that this last time, you know, given the contracts and everything like yeah. that. But I totally get what you're saying about in terms of building up that big fight feel. Again, it goes to like the corner men aspect. Everything about it's 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 sort of incorporating the sort of like the boxing aesthetic yes. into pro wrestling, which is funny because boxing often incorporates the pro wrestling aesthetic in mm-hmm. terms of wanting people to think that there's like a real blood feud. Yeah. But the the other like it's it's cool for pro wrestling to sort of instill that sort of like legitimacy mm-hmm. while still keeping the theatricality. And so that's the other thing is like, yeah, when each of them coming out with their group of guys, I was like, that's yeah. so cool. And like Cody, his it's kind of interesting. Cody, you know, in Ring of Honor in New Japan, as of late, he's wearing the fancy suits and all stuff. But yeah. this time around, they're all wearing kind of like the same jumpsuit jacket. Yeah. And Nick Aldis, his guys were wearing the suits. Almost it was in- boxing. Yes, but like it was interesting. Like Cody, and I kind of interpret it just the imagery right there. It was almost like. He's stepping it down as far as more of the blue collar working man. He's invoking his dad a lot, and that, and especially in terms in this of, sort of his attire. Yeah, in this particular matchup, that's how I interpret that. Who knows 
how in the coming months how Cody might go back to what he was been doing with the suits and stuff. But in that situation, it was cool. Like each guy, their group of guys represents something special to their team and what the value was, especially for Cody's uh, DDP, Tommy Dreamer, Glacier, Brandy's dad, and there's one other guy that came out together. Even Farrell the dog came out. It was great. Brandy as well. So, but the match itself, I thought it was really engaging. It, it had that old school fight style, something definitely from the 80s, like an old school NWA match. They weren't like a super lot of high flying spots that like independent wrestling has been, kind of been known for in the last few years since it's kind of got its own resurgence. But I like the way they were like just two guys brawling it out all over the place. Even, you know, eventually what led outside and then even uh, the quick second or diversion DDP, you know, diamond cutting. Yeah, um, Davari. Yeah. So all that to me, it was a very entertaining match overall. And um, even the finish itself, I actually kind of enjoyed it was I was going to say, it was a surprise. Out of nowhere, it was like very Bret Hart, uh, British Bulldog, SummerSlam style for just a roll-up. My brother Tommy really liked that because he felt that was like an old-school NWA type of finish. It, 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 was, it is, and it also keeps Nick looking strong, too, because yeah. it's, you know, it's a pinning predicament kind of deal. It's like he was he was pinned. He wasn't really defeated yeah. kind of deal. Uh, I, I, I thought they told a great story, uh, like you were saying, and, I mean, the story... You know what? I mentioned this on the last podcast. When they first announced this match, I didn't think Cody was going to win it. I didn't think they were going to really. Uh, I just, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like that they were going to pull the trigger on that just for a myriad of reasons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But as you know, the all in build kept. I was like, dude, Cody's going to win this match, and that's going to be awesome. And that just, and again, they told a great story. I would have loved for that story to have been the ending of All In. Yeah, you know, because I mean, the the emotion that we discussed, Cody definitely had it on display. Uh, you know, holding that title. I think I think that's the lasting image and the last image that you'd want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't go that way. And it was still it was still I mean, no matter where it was, it was still a great match. I'm just really curious what's next for Cody, Billy Corgan, NWA itself. What's the vision now moving forward? Because I think right now, as you just said earlier, the Bell's probably not as been as, as popular now as hasn't been in a long time. So even like The Rock tweeted yeah. to Cody. Cody. Cody winning and having the NWA championship is the best thing that could happen to him right exactly. now. No disrespect to Nick Aldis or Tim Storm, but the fact that that is around Cody's waist and everything that Cody is doing right now is huge for that. And so time will tell what they where they go with it. Now. Yeah, I, just, I definitely want to applaud Tim Storm to his credit. He was doing the best he can when he was champion, trying to bring some significance to it. And then Nick Aldis, he was kind of like the first, it was the the changing of the guards. Tim Storm was kind of the last of maybe the old regime. Nick Aldis is the first of the Billy Corrigan owning post yeah. regime. And Nick Aldis, to his credit, I love he's been like a traveling champion defending all over the world. So I wonder if that's what Cody's going to keep doing. Like, I wonder, I would love to interview Billy Corrigan and ask what is his long-term plans with the NWA brand does he want to try to maybe start his own TV show, maybe develop his own set of rosters, bring other belts involved, titles into this, the equation? Uh, does Cody, I mean, right now, does he just take the belt and travel from promotion to promotion? And it's almost like added value. Like Cody Rhodes appearing on a, a show, already yeah. star power right there. But him bringing the title with him and defending that night, it kind of adds extra appeal to that show. He's a, a I think it adds him. extra appeal to the title. 
Yeah. I, I, I think uh, that's why I just mean I, th- I think Co- Cody instantly elevates the NWA title to a place it hasn't been in a long time. So I'm excited to see and I'm uh, tempted to go buy a, I was almost going to pull the trigger and buy an NWA shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com, but I got a, a Cody shirt instead. Budget's a little tight right now, but I definitely want to get that sweet NWA shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. All right, we got to get to this. Uh, if, if, if Cody and Nick Aldis wasn't going to be the main event, then I thought, well, surely Kenny Omega versus versus uh, Pentagon would, would be the main event, but it was not. No. <laughs> it was not, and in terms of my in ring quality, it should have been because they yeah. delivered an absolute classic. Like I, I, they they blew the roof off that place. I mean, what an effort! I thought going into this match, uh, Penta had no chance in hell of winning it. And you were there watching it with me. Eventually, they got me. When Penta hit the package pile driver, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was three up, three down, baby. Pentagon's going to win. And I and when Kenny just barely kicked out, I, like, died. I literally screamed and fell into my couch. <laughs> I mean, I knew at that point Penta was going to lose, but... It's a special thing when you get like a longtime wrestling fan to be popping in and out of their seats like that and mm-hmm. stuff. They, wow, what an incredible match. And that was their first time ever wrestling together. The instant chemistry yeah. that they had. I I, I want to see them go at it again. It was fantastic. To both their creds, it just shows how true professionals they are in this business. That they can go into the ring first time and have amazing, as you said, just chemistry. But to Penta's I mean, I love the two different styles. We've seen Kenny Omega a lot on the big scale over the last couple of years with his all his quote five, six, seven star matches. He goes out there, he's high flying, he's just the emotion he shows on his face. But Penta, his style is so different. It's more of like a street street fight. I mean, it's more uh, I want to say dirty is the word, but like he is a very versatile luchador. Yeah, like he can aggressive. do some high high flying stuff. He works the submission stuff. He strikes. He he does he's like a jack of all trades master of mm-hmm. none kind of wrestler and I, I just yeah you're right I mean their their contrast of styles I think it just it works man, it came across they, they they were they came across larger than life it was it was a big deal that they yeah. were fighting and uh, yeah I I can't I can't say enough about the match itself I thought I thought it stole the show so what I was referencing earlier was as far as selling is when uh, Penta you know did broke the, the arm. Yeah, and Kenny, for a second, went, ah, but then he eventually did his finisher a yeah. few minutes later. And it's like, it's kind of sell that a little bit more. Maybe he had trouble lifting him up the f- or get- accomplishing it yeah, the first I, time. I, I, I agree with you on, on that, especially since if you watch Lucha, Under- Lucha Underground, the the when Penta does that, like... Dude, it's, that's yeah. you're that's rap, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, like you're off TV for a couple of weeks after yeah. that, you know. So uh, I, I I agree here, which is why when he did it, it's when I sort of started to believe. I was like, oh my god, he did it. I, I agree with you. He could have sold that a little bit better, but I I've got nothing but great things to say about that match. Yeah, that, I watched it a second time and was thoroughly enjoyed it again. It was entertaining. That's gonna be one of those matches that we can always look back on, and just have fun. It, it's. I'm sure they're going to square off again in the near future. Who knows where, but when it happens, I'm sure a lot of people are just going to be thoroughly excited to see that match again. Now, if there was a moment other than Cody winning the NWA title to close out the show, then the moment that immediately followed Kenny Omega's victory certainly would have been another one to sort of fade to black on. And that is literally the <laughs> arena went dark. You know, they thought it would like their the commentators putting over that something was wrong with their feet. However, I totally buy that because there was a time early 
earlier in the show, I don't think you were there yet, where like it cut out for a second. Yeah, when I rewatched it, I saw it. Yeah, so, yeah. so for when you know, because I, I had stepped away for a second, and and you and you were like oh. yelling, like, "Oh, it's, it went to like I think the feed went out." So I was like, "Oh man, oh no!" So like. I don't know if it was intentional earlier in the show, but the fact that that happened, it totally made me buy. It's like, oh, no, don't lose the feed. No. But when it came back on, Penta was laying there in the ring. Now, he, like, when it first, I was like, he looked different. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like his one arm, the like, tattoos are gone. No, but, but I mean, just even in spite of that, just the way he was laying, like, sort of so lifelessly. I gotta look again. I think it was the opposite direction. Well, and, but he, but he was just like laying there like a dummy, like, yeah. like a, like a, like just a, perfectly still. Like a crash dummy. I was yeah. like, Something is amiss here. Uh, and sure enough, it turned out to not be Pentagon, but rather a returning Chris Jericho, which what a super mark out moment attacking Kenny again and then putting over the fact that I'll see you on the Jericho cruise. I mean, so much props to Chris Jericho for for what he is been able to do over the last couple of years in pro wrestling, keeping people on their toes. He takes such pride uh, in Nobody knows what he's going to do next. Yeah. And he is a master of it. And to his credit, if you follow him on Instagram at Chris Jericho Fozzy, he was documenting his schedule that night. So Fozzy is out on tour. So I think a lot of people right there look at Fozzy's tour schedule and view that as the best way to understand where Jericho is at any place or time. And so they're on tour, I think the night before they were Arkansas or Nebraska, somewhere, and they have a show the next night in a different state. And so he was nowhere near Chicago for All In. So he literally uh, flew in for the show. He said, I think he got to the arena at 530, immediately ran into the Young Bucks office to hide and did his thing change, did that whole segment with Kenny, immediately left the arena with paint on his face still, the face paint, and jumped on a private jet to get to the Fozzie show that night and got there. I think he was he was doing an Instagram story. He's like, I'll be there in 30 minutes and jumped on stage and did a show that night. So to Jericho's credit, to, to be like bouncing from state to state in like a half a day period to do Fozzie commitments, to do the wrestling all in appearance and go back into the show. It's just God. I mean, he has missed so many flyer miles. Yeah. Already to his name, but it's just that was so cool for him to do that kind of sacrificing his schedule to get all over the place to entertain the fans, but yet uh, stay committed to his Fozzie shows as well. So it was so much fun. Yeah, it definitely was. And we, we got a lot to get to. So we're going to have to move on from all in. But I mean, just one more time, big ups to everybody that made it happen. Cody yeah. and the Young Bucks. What a what a tremendous historic moment that they gave wrestling fans. And I think. You know, they've they've talked about how it's changed the game. They don't know how yet, but it's something that this people will look back at all in as a sort of seminal moment in pro wrestling history. And that's something maybe I know we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, but maybe on a future episode, I kind of want to I was going to ask you and I have some questions here. Like, what are what's next for all? in? What what does all in set up for? Yeah. Is this the peak of independent wrestling, or is there just the beginning of even bigger things? I think it's just the start. We got we got to get to Johnny Mundo here, but yeah, again, congrats to everyone involved at All In, and I'm so jealous of everybody that went. All right, it's time to get excited, believers and Boonatics. He is a former Lucha Underground champion, the mayor of Slamtown, star of Boon the Bounty Hunter, and most importantly, he is the champion 
of Taya's Heart. We got Johnny Mundo on the program with us. Welcome back, John. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, I'm having a conversation with uh, a couple of old friends right now. And um, yeah, something to Taya's Heart is uh, the moniker right now that I am the most proud of. <laughs> you should be very proud. Yeah, it's very well done, sir. <laughs> Ride the bat, we just want to ask you about Lucha Underground and being back for its fourth season. So we're just so excited when it was announced it was coming back for the fourth season. But there was a period where everyone wasn't sure if it was going to happen again. Did you ever have any doubt that it would be back? And now that it is, do you think Lucha Underground is set up for even more success? There's always doubt in my mind when it comes to whether or not a wrestling show is going to happen, actually anything in entertainment, because there's so many times when uh, – the financiers back out or uh, you lose a building or a, or a network goes out of business, Yeah, that uh, you constantly have to believe everything with a grain of salt, if you will. With Lucha Underground, though, um, I've felt most of the time that uh, regardless of what happens, that the show is going to continue based on the people involved behind the scenes with your Eric Van Wagen, um, Krista Joseph, and uh, Chris Roach, and obviously backed by MGM with uh, Mark Burnett and um, Robert Rodriguez over at El Rey. I feel like uh, it's a show that all the people behind the scenes are proud of, the talent is proud of, and when is there going to be a season five is a question that I frequently ask myself, but um, I believe that there is going to be, and uh, I'm really excited with what's going on right now in season four. Yeah, speaking of season four, so we saw in last week's episode – your on-screen wedding to Taya, which is art imitating life, of course. So how did the idea come about to bring your real-life wedding to your wrestling personas, and how fun was it for both you guys just to share that experience on TV? Um, it was it was ridiculous, and it was really cool for me to, uh, and her too, for that matter, to, um, you know, like, um, when you get married, especially me, I have all these weird ideas of things that I might want to do, weird vows that I might want to say, or but basically anything that I wanted to do that was kind of weird or bizarre um, <laughs> we did in our future wedding that aired last week on LA um, our, our real wedding in front of our fam- friends and family we had uh, on June 1st and um, that was amazing as well but the uh, the idea of getting married in the ring in the temple in front of uh, all the believers was uh, something that I was really excited about and I'm, I'm excited now to uh see what happens with the aftermath of that wedding. Um, I don't know if you guys know, I'm, I don't know if everyone listening knows, that uh, there was an uninvited guest. Yes. <laughs> who came in and beat up the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. Damn and, wedding and crashers. Uh, I know. He wasn't even invited. <laughs> I had a nickel for every time someone did that. And he wasn't just there for the catering. He was there to beat up the bride and groom. Yeah. <laughs> he ruined the catering. Uh, now it, yeah, it's like um, the biggest heel move no. ever. <laughs> right? And, uh, but so, so now Ty and I have, uh, you know, some unfinished business to do. And uh, the way that the story is, is, is working out is really exciting to me. And um, I think one of the, the coolest things that I've done in my wrestling career is it, it, this specific narrative. It's been really fun watching you and Taya this season and sort of just the, the, the growth of your characters together in Lucha Underground. But I, I got to ask you about, because you were talking about trying things at the wedding, 
And going back years ago, if, if anybody was unfortunate enough to end up with me at a wedding, I've like fantasized about like, okay, well, I want me and the groomsmen to wear neon green ties for DX, you know, to like represent like pro wrestling at my wedding. Like, again, God forbid anybody ends up with me, but slip Katrina my number if you would. Uh, but was the neon green uh, outfits at your Was that a nod to DX? Um, actually, that was a decision made by Tyler. And uh, she liked green and wanted to do something that was, first of all, going to be unlike what we were going to do in front of our friends and family, yeah. which is more traditional. And um, and second of all, she, she was like really into like Gypsy Weddings. There's like some TV show called Gypsy Weddings or something she was watching. And um, the, those weddings were just like people were wearing like the gaudiest dresses and tuxes. And I don't think in the back of her mind it's not DX as much as it was her wanting to do something really out there and different. Yeah, well, it, it definitely worked, and it, it was it was such a great segment to see on TV. But another thing that I'm super excited about for you specifically is that you're going to be on Survivor. Uh, what can you tell us about how that experience was for you? I'm I'm, I'm pulling for you, man. <laughs> um, well, I guess I guess since you asked nicely, I'll tell you who won. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was you. <laughs> uh, we're uh, everyone's on NDAs. We're not allowed to talk about uh, much. I, all I can say is uh, I'm on 37, uh, season 37 of Survivor. The uh, season premiere is uh, the last Wednesday in September. It airs on CBS. And um, Survivor was one of the most difficult things that I've ever done in my life. But uh, it was intriguing to me. It's almost like you versus you out there. And um, there's also like that, all those other people you're surviving with and politicking with and against and for. But, uh, but ultimately, you get to know yourself intimately um, when you're that uncomfortable and out there uh, that long. Yeah, well, we're, we're definitely looking forward to watching you on there. Like uh, like I said, we're both rooting for you big time, so I'll have, to, I'll have to get into one of those Survivor fantasy drafts and pick you. Uh, but, you know, Lucha Underground, I feel like, has played such a big role in raising the bar in the wrestling world outside of the land of WWE. And in regard to that, uh, you know, this was a really big past weekend for independent pro wrestling. So I just want to get what your take was on what Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks were able to accomplish with All In this past weekend. Um, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, with, with all in what the, what the Bucks and Cody did, and the, and the rest of the Bullet Club um, was a game changer. Selling out a ten thousand seat arena is uh, is something that most promotions dream of and have a hard time doing. And when I was thinking about it uh, leading up to all in, there's been a number of uh, wrestlers and promoters or promotions that have been doing a similar type of thing with. I mean, with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, I mean, that's yeah. a, a pro wrestler that started promoting wrestling because he knew what he liked. And um, that insider knowledge is, is something that goes quite a long way. And um, I mean, Sammy Callahan with Pro Wrestling with Revolver out there in Iowa, Joey Ryan with Bar Wrestling in LA, Ryan Demos with Nuclear Heat Wrestling in LA. Um, you're seeing a lot of shows by wrestlers for current smart wrestling fans. And um, All In being the biggest show of its kind ever is uh, is something that I feel like all the major promotions have taken note of. Yeah. And now there's I mean, what the shift is going to be. I'm not sure. I don't even think uh, the, the Bucks and Cody know exactly what the, the ramifications of what they did is or is going to be. But um, 
I, I definitely feel it, man. Like they uh, they pull off something amazing, and um, the stuff that I've seen on social media about All In is all across the board ridiculously positive. Yeah, which is hard in our in that yeah, community. Like, oh man, I mean it's hard to uh, it's hard to appease all the wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's crazy, but you're right. I mean the response was was so crazy positive. I mean, it was a historic moment. Uh, you have to allow me this one mark out question because I know you're a big Shawn Michaels fan, and I don't know if you saw Raw. But for the first time since his retirement, I, I'm, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan as well. It seems like WWE is almost teasing a comeback for Shawn to take on The Undertaker one more time. So as a fellow HBK guy, uh, how would you feel about him having one more match and maybe stepping back in there with The Undertaker? I would love it. And yeah, I've, I've, you're right. I've gone on record numerous times and uh, been talked about how big a fan of Shawn Michaels I, I was growing up and am still to this day. So, uh, so him versus the Undertaker would be uh, would be super cool, man. I would definitely I would, I would watch WrestleMania anyway, but um, I would definitely tune in to see that match. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, got, it was for and like I mean, for me, I had like some mixed emotions because I was like, man, what they did before was so good. Like, why go back and touch that? But at the same time, like the like inner child with me and my own boyhood dream, I was like, yeah, get back in there, like super kick his ass one more time. Like, I want it. <laughs> Man, my sentiments exactly. Like it, it's going to be so hard to top what they've already done. But um, but you're right. I mean, I've already seen what they've already done, and uh, I wouldn't mind watching some more HBK. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> John, listen, I know uh, we're running short on time with you. Appreciate you making the time this morning. I just want to ask you real quick. So, hey, man, we loved having you here last year to screen your San Francisco Bay Area premiere of your movie, Boone the Bounty Hunter. But So what's next for you as far as in the acting world? And, hey, is there any plans for a possible Boone sequel in the works? I've got the sequel to Boone in my head, I will say. Um, the, the plans for the Boone sequel are, are pending on um, – how how Boone does over the next year, it's uh it's on schedule to recoup like a hundred percent of the production budget in a few months, which is awesome and and rarely happens in independent film. Um, outside of Boone, uh, which is available on Netflix right now, yeah, yep. uh, a sequel to Boone, which um is is possibly coming in the next few years. Um, we've got a couple other projects that I've been working on: Macho Con Toto, Ego Trip, and um a short horror uh, movie that I'm going to direct that uh, Taya, a real name Kira, and I wrote on our honeymoon in Kauai. No kidding! I'm shoot here in a couple of weeks. I'm, uh, and I'm really excited about that. We're not really sharing any details with aside okay. from uh, the fact that it's going to be really cool if you're a wrestling fan or a horror fan, you're going to really dig it. Um, we're going to shoot it with a bunch of our friends in our house, and um, we're, we're both really excited about it. Awesome. That's very cool. Well, John, listen, if you need a place to screen the movie, you can always call on us. We get the, your whole family out here again. It'll be a lot of fun. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll take you up on that. Yeah. It was, it was so much fun screening Boom to you guys. Like, uh, when, when this thing's done, um, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. We should definitely have a screening of it. Perfect. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for making the time. We always appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to you on Survivor, Lucha Underground Season 4. Watch it every week, believers, and tune in to see Johnny Mundo, the mayor of Slamtown. Thanks for having me, guys. Good talking to you. Many thanks to Johnny Mundo for coming on with us once again. As we mentioned, he is a friend of uh, Baby Huey and myself. We've done a lot of great work with John. Big thanks to him for making the time and all the things that he said about All In and what we're about to get into with uh, Monday Night Raw. And Real WWE. quick, he said when he makes a new his next movie, he's going to come here and do a premiere again. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to hold him to that. God, God willing. <laughs> I, I would love to do that. It was such a successful event when we had the Boone the Bounty Hunter Bay Area premiere here. Yeah. Uh, but... 
Like we're saying, this is this is a jam-packed episode, so we got to jump into uh, Monday Night Raw and everything that happened there. And uh, I got to tell you, like I was on such a high from All In and just how awesome it was. I did not expect uh, how amped I was going to feel after Monday Night Raw uh, this week, and I, it, it almost feels like that they maybe called an audible to sort of compete with All In in terms of the show that they put on. Yeah. But let's get into Monday Night Raw. Okay. We kicked off with, with Braun Strowman. If there was any doubt of him, is he a heel now? He went full generic heel right down to the you people promo kind of deal. It's like they, they got to they gotta recognize that, like, they want to cheer Braun. So, like, yeah, you can you can make him a heel and stuff like that. But, like, him doing the whole, like, I don't care if you people have a problem with it. It's like, well, they clearly don't because they cheer for you. Mm-hmm. And even the last time when you were a legitimate heel and you beat the crap out of Roman Reigns, people were chanting, thank you, Braun. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. What did, you, what did you think about sort of the... the I don't know what they can do because it's hard. It, it, they're kind of in a, a tough spot because they can't turn the shield heel really, and so they made the more natural decision, which is to turn the big monster heel. Which I so on a certain level, I get that. I, it's not the call I would have made. I might have gone just straight face versus face uh, or something and like just that. Just let the crowd decide. Yeah, but that being said, I kind I kind of like Braun with Dolphin Drew. Like it's kind of an odd pairing. Okay, but it sort of works. Couple things. Well. My kind of my gut reaction, I kind of like him being heel, which I'll kind of explain in a second. But it's kind of interesting. One, Braun for the longest time has been built this monster among men, this like almost supernatural force that he could take on multiple people in the elimination chamber. He took took out so many guys, but now he needs backup. Which in a way it was like okay now he needs Dolph and Drew to help him out. Like I, I he couldn't handle three guys on his own. Just the way he was being built up before, I was like. It's interesting, like, now he's building his own little alliance. His Which pack. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah, his pack. I, I, didn't, I didn't view it that way so much. I mean, especially when you, you consider that the Shield is, what, three guys that are all Grand Slam champions yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not just – he. I, I think it makes sense that he would want backup. And it's more so to protect his Money in the Bank contract than it was anything else, you know, to, mm-hmm. to protect the fact that he was going to get a fair shake in the title match. Yeah. I sort of agree with you in terms of I like Braun as a heel as well because as he sort of naturally became a babyface, and I think we talked about this uh, last week, but he he still did these amazing feats of strength, but recently he started doing more like goofy stuff, which I'm not as – I don't want Braun to be goofy. I want him to be scary. I want him to be impressive. I don't want yeah. him talking about his little buddy Finn and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't need that. Well, the other thing is keep him. This is how I view it is growing up like the first big monster among many, if you want to call that, it was Andre the Giant. And after watching that documentary on him on HBO, they really explained like they never put the belt on him, the title on him, because he was already the shows that he was traveling to. He was going out there and like, dominating already he was doing battle royals and throwing people out and winning all of them he like he was the unstoppable force so if you put the title on him it's like who's gonna take it off him it, it kind of like the perception of reality or suspending disbelief is like who's gonna get the belt off him like who unless you have like a separate like huge baby face that you're trying to build up to like overcome the odds then i can understand that like then you throw him against you you have them to eventually beat the giant Andre Giant and take the tile off them. So in this situation, I apply that kind of philosophy to Braun Strowman. It's like, 
Once he becomes universal champion, which everyone wants him, where do you go, though, from there? It's like you have him be a dominant universal champion. Like you could have kept him face and he would have been a great face champion. You build up some strong heels. And that's the thing you would have to. That's the problem. I think you would. I don't know if WWE, their track record building really good, strong heels. That's what my only concern was. Like, unless or you keep him heel and he's the strong heel champion. I just I I'd think, rather see that and then build up a great babyface to take I, him I, out. I, just, I think Braun is so charismatic and just so he's so over. Like, I think he should be the face of the company. Yeah, and in the face of Monday Night Raw. So I want them to pull the trigger. Like I've said, I think it's a year overdue on pulling the trigger on him. They should have pulled it at SummerSlam. He's the perfect guy to slay the beast, and they didn't do that. But that and and it sucks now because I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on him again. They're going to probably give Roman a nice fatty title reign and stuff like that. So it's like what it's, my question more is not like what you do after he wins the title is what do you do after he fails again to win the title? Like how long is he going to be this monster among men that comes up short in big matches? And that's what's kind of also sucks is Braun. If you look at his track record of his accomplishment, it's it's like non title wins. Like he wins the greatest Royal Rumble, got a trophy. He had the tag belt, but for 24 hours, it's when it comes to the, the big match, Elimination Chamber, he beats up everyone, but then Roman comes in and takes it away from him. So it's like he's like a forever a bridesmaid. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's not winning the big, big matches when I'm, they count. I'm just worried that they're going to pull the trigger on him too late, you know? Like, yeah. And, and, that's, and, and that's, that's a shame because I think Braun is special, like mm-hmm. special in the sense that he would – like, I think he could kick off another WWE boom if marketed correctly. I think he is so interesting. I would love to see him on all the late night talk shows. I'd love to see him on <laughs> SNL. He's a funny, charismatic yes. guy. He's and great on the mic. Like, he, the he few is, words he says, oh, he's tremendous. It's effective. Yeah, absolutely. He knows what he's doing out there. You know, the fact that he got get these hands over like he did is is absurd. He he is special. He has it. And so to me, it's a it's like a cinch that he should be their champion. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy that is naturally over. I don't I, I don't understand the disconnect there, but we'll we'll come we'll come back to that in the closing segment because I what I was worried about with the 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 full heel turn that they gave us on Monday, I was like Oh man, he's just he's like just every other heel. Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't feel that way when the show went off the air, which made me happy. They made him okay. they made him special with how they closed the show okay. in my opinion. Okay. But the Bellas also made their return to Raw this week. Uh I I I am a Bellas fan, so I was I was happy to see them. What I don't like about them making their return is the diluting yes. of the brand split because if Bree and Daniel are going to face the Miz and Maurice on SmackDown, I'm all like, maybe I'm naive in that way, but it's like, I don't think she should be allowed to be on both shows. I just don't. It's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's already undermining, uh, the story of the fact that they're supposed to be two distinct and separate brands. I was going to say, John Cena and Brie Bella have the most pool. They could be free agents and bounce I around. I don't like it. I didn't like the Cena free agency thing. It was so random. The Undertaker, like SmackDown's always been my home, and I don't think he's been back on SmackDown since. <laughs> Which I bet he, you think he'll show up for the thousand, or uh, is it thousand episode that's coming up? I think so. One thousand probably episode. will, but it's like... It, but yeah, at this point, he's already done more appearances on Raw. To me, if they're going to do this, you got to pick a brand. You know, and I and yeah. I, I would like to see a stronger separation, not a lesser separation. If you're going to do this, make them both really distinct. But mm-hmm. yeah, the Bellas made their return. Uh, I am happy Bree is okay after yes. the the suicide dive thing and everything. You know that Multiple. got a lot of that got a lot of traction online. 
Uh, but the, the, my main takeaway was sort of the undermining of the brand split with the Bellas coming. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I was just a little like it was more of a, like a big advertisement for uh, Total Divas. Was it Total yes. Divas? Yeah. So it was like, in, you know, introducing them. Hey, first time back in three years as a tag team. And oh, by the way, new season Total Divas premieres on this date. Oh, by the way, they beat uh, the they beat Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan when Bailey and Sasha, the, the boss and hug connection have been like just eating eating it from them the whole yeah, time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And then also I always I gotta kinda laugh at uh later on the show they offered their services to help train Ronda Rousey. He was like already champion, UFC gold medal, like all the accomplishments. I think she's okay on her own versus gaining help from three girls who've been out of the ring for a while. Yeah. Just as far as continuity you purposes. I really don't like the Bellas. Well no, it's just it's interesting and okay a lack of respect. No, this have. is something I just read online it was also like what the WWE's women's revolution, what they're trying to get away from as far as the Divas era, and Bellas were kind of like the last of that they were Divas part of that, era. But they were part of the women's revolution, they too. Across, they, worked, so, they worked their ass off. Yeah, no, and, and, and to their credit, I mean, I know Nikki Bella has been one of the longest reign women, or is she the, I think she's all-time, right? All-time yeah. longest reign women's Divas. title. Divas title. Yeah. Yeah, no, and to their credit, I mean, I know, like, I, I, I like Brie a lot. I think she's kind of learned a lot from her husband, Daniel Bryan. So I, I like to have a lot of her movesets in the ring. It's very similar to his. So it's kind of cool. I think it gives her that badass appeal in the ring. But I don't know. I just, I get kind of, I don't know, the whole E show is kind of. I think, dude, I to- Total Divas and Total Bellas are are great for pro wrestling in general, but they're definitely great for women's wrestling. Like, okay, un- I will, un- unbelievably great. I love the fact that they can bring more eyeballs to WWE especially more of a female audience and kind of bridge that gap. I'm all for that. I think that's you, great. You, you got to think about it in the time when that show aired too. This was still in the diva era where they weren't necessarily getting time to develop their characters and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So they were able to show the wrestling world sort of who they were about and what they were about on this, on this show. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I think that the, the total diva show is, is huge in terms of getting people invested in them. Mm-hmm. A big part of the reason why people want to do hashtag give divas a chance is because they fell in love with them on Total Divas. Mm-hmm. Also, it's just on a quick side. It's very similar to what Cody and the rest of the Bullet Club have done with being the elite. As far as using their show, creating a show yeah. to help kind of get fans over and get to know who they are outside the ring. But I see what you're saying with the Bellas. I, to their credit, I know they go out there and work their ass off. Nikki, I know like she's busted her neck for permanent damage i think in yeah, many ways you change your finisher because yeah 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 so like i just i don't know it, it, it's i guess kind of also the brand split thing also kind of irked me as well as far as like okay she's on rob and then next thing on smackdown kind of these two different storylines and yeah they beat these two girls who have been tearing up in the other division or other opponents on raw so i don't know it's we'll see how this plays out i i know they're coming back to promote total divas but also set up their matches at uh evolution yeah um, we got a tag team title change. Uh, it was not the revival defeating the B team. I feel sort of bad for the revival. However, I liked the segment. I like that Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler sort of threw their weight around with, with Corbin mm-hmm. and then, uh, completely telegraphing it, but they take out the revival, replacing them in their tag team title match and do in fact defeat the B team. Uh, I thought the match went on too long. I think th- I think they should have sort of more handily beaten the B team. I thought mm-hmm. it was sort of needlessly that competitive. But I like the switch. I, I I feel bad for the revival, but I don't think it was the right time to make them tag team champions. I think that w- when they win the tag team titles, they should be a more um, sort of 
respectable unit. And they haven't been really used that well in the main roster yet. So it, to me, it would have felt like a more hollow victory if they just sort of beat the B team. I think it would be a lot more if they beat a different team when they finally become tag team champions. Well, especially just on an episode of Raw, I feel like I would love to see the Revival win the titles on a pay-per-view. Kind of a little more a little more meaning, meaningful behind that, if that makes sense, as far as it kind of gives them... It's more special in the moment for them, especially what they've been through with like multiple injuries and kind of very bumpy start since the call up to Raw. It was surprising to see them just get taken out like that, though. I yeah. Well, I guess the bright side is okay. You got Dolphin Drew, new tag team champions. They kind of got this thing going with Seth and Dean. So maybe Seth and Dean can go for the tag titles again. But it's interesting. It's like, I feel like the IC belt, these last couple weeks, he's been kind of put on the back burner. The whole focus has been on the shield and stuff. So I wonder how that come into play later on with Seth and Dean. Could they eventually try to be tag team champions again? Take them off Dolphin Drew down I, the road? I think, I think that's definitely a possibility for so, sure. We'll see what happens. But I, yeah, I, I just, it's interesting. I think the tag team division hopefully is on the up. If you got Dolphin Drew, you got Dean and Seth maybe kind of working together again to, as far as taking those two guys out. Authors of Pain got a little bit, you know. Yeah, let's go there. Fresh paint or fresh look or reboot. So Authors of Pain or AOP is they're sort of being, I don't know if they're just completely taking out the Authors of Pain name and only calling them AOP. But, uh, yeah, they had an interesting segment on Raw, which was like a segment too late, by the way. I I think if they're going to do this, they should have done it earlier in the show before the tag team title change. But they came out with Drake Maverick as their new manager. And I guess that's all well and good, but Drake being dressed as them was so comical and goofy looking. Like, I don't know who approved that as like the right move to make, but also Drake, if I'm not you know mistaken, his like all the reviews about Drake Maverick is like, uh, you know, leading two Oh five live have been great, but he's like a baby face there. Yeah. And then he's coming being the sort of very heelish manager of authors of pain dressed very goofily in their outfit because he's so small, which I didn't like. <laughs> uh, and also, you had a perfect manager for them in Paul Ellering. I know. I don't understand this. I, like, <laughs> the whole thing is like, okay, they're giving them a manager again. Why not just keep Paul Ellering to begin with? But I don't know Paul personally as far as maybe he just didn't want to commit to be on he the road again. that's not the case. It's not? He's down yeah, the, he's down the road? He said that, like, that I, don't, I just don't think he was approached about it. Okay, interesting. But yeah, I would love to see Paul Ellering on Raw again and just kind of more. I think for you and I, we grew up watching him, but I think maybe a lot of the younger audience who didn't doesn't know who he is and his legacy, especially in the tag team world, who and maybe don't watch NXT a lot beforehand. I would love to see him get maybe a, another big push at this later, later stage in his career. Well, just the optics of having, even if you don't know who Paul Ellering is, just how he looks and how he speaks and carries himself compared to the optics of tiny little Drake Maverick in, in, in his Roman Reigns Halloween costume. Like I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't understand. And the just call. kind of thrown together. Exactly. With no really rhyme or reason. Um, and again, a segment after the tag titles changed hands. He's like, we're coming for the tag team championships. Like, well, they already been, already been came for, bro. Yeah. And it's like, so I don't know. It was, it was just questionable on a lot of levels. Well, maybe, okay. I do think authors of pain are better with a manager. You know, yeah, someone, to, someone to speak for them. They're I, better being on TV, which is seemingly hard for them to come by. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. So would you rather Jake Drake Maverick wear 
like one of his suit. suits yeah. that he wears on two. Yeah, I think okay, that's fine. It's just yeah. him. Like, it just it was so goofy. Him no, dressing totally. like them, it was ridiculous. I thought it was like, is this a one type thing, like three way match? Or I was I was half expecting them to just like like beat his ass down after. Like it's like, <laughs> dude, like give me a break. But I mean, that's what they're going with. We'll we'll see how it works out. I mean, Drake Maverick's good on the mic. You know, it could Absolutely, be it yeah. could work out. Just change up the look of it. So yes. it, could, it could be great. And I hope it is because I really like the authors of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go to the closing segment and then circle back to what the real main event of Monday Night Raw was. <laughs> okay. um, but the closing segment with the, the sort of the the beatdown of uh, you know Braun beat Finn Balor and then the Shield ended up showing up after they got arrested, which again was another overdone thing. They show up in the the police the paddy wagon and that took them off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they took it and then so but the, like the heels come out of the locker room and sort of like I I liked this. There was some sort of like nonsensicalness to it that like why is Kevin Owens out there helping Braun Strowman when yeah. Braun Strowman's been throwing him off a cage and stuff like that. But I do like the fact that the heels don't want the shield around. And that like they're sick and tired of the shield. I thought just visually what they did in this, and it just goes back to like talking about making Braun special, what he was what they allowed him to do with the steel steps to Roman, what the the other people did to Seth Rollins, throwing him into the cop car, again, shattering the window and slicing his arm open, which was insane. All these different things, like that was a very memorable closing segment, and mm-hmm. it really made Braun look extraordinary as opposed to another just generic heel, which is what he came off as sort of in the first segment. As far as he's the real, like, big dog, no pun intended for Roman, but that all the other heels will back him up or, or surround visually, him? Just visually. They, 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 they're they continuing on with this sort of like the feats of strength and just like they're having him do special things that you maybe don't normally see with okay. like their standard heels. I just thought it was funny because uh, they post on Twitter, like, they've been processed and everything. They're out of jail already. On a holiday, no less. Yeah, on top of that. So it's like, wow, they can go to jail and get processed and everything be let go in three under three hours. But on top of that, they come back in the police vehicle yeah. that took I them mean, off. Stone Cold would bring a I, beer truck. and like I a, know. You know but, it's, it's just, I, I'm not going to hate on that. Dean Ambrose <laughs> taking a cab into the arena. I, I Listen, you got to. should have took an Uber instead. You got to let that stuff fly. I know, but it's just like, wow. They used to ask, hey, police officers, can we take, can we use your vehicle to get back to the arena? I, I we'll drive see, it ourselves. That, that to me doesn't need to be explained. That that's pro wrestling, dude. Stone, I know. And Stone I love Cold that. made his career on that. Type I love of stuff. that. I could have been yeah, funny if they took an Uber or something. Yeah, but but again, Stone Cold did that all throughout the attitude. I know, era. I know, and I love that. I eat all that up. I just as far as I'm just for for the sake of uh, uh, counter argument. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I just I'm not going to nitpick that no, part of it. I love it. Yeah, of course. Deep down, I love it. It was all great. I know it's a great throwback to stuff from the '90s, but. For the sake of argument. I, th- I thought it was a really fun closing segment. And again, Braun standing tall. I'm worried about Seth. I hope he didn't get too seriously hurt. That was insane. They clearly were not expecting him to take that that way with the glass shattering. I was uh, that's think, always a scary situation anytime you got glass like that. I was trying to think there was a, which wrestler got cut up a long time, not too, I mean, early 2000s. Goldberg, when he punched the. Yes, the, yeah, the, yeah, Goldberg. Yeah, that's, I referenced that to my roommate when watching. I was like, dude, that could be serious business. Wasn't Goldberg out for like six, seven months? He was out for a while. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous. So. Uh, hopefully Seth is okay, but man, it was it was quite a visual with them just being decimated. Never seen the Shield decimated like that before, uh, so that, that I thought that was pretty cool. But we got to get to we talked a little about uh, about it a little bit with Johnny Mundo, mm-hmm. but to me, like again, the moment in time is which is the theme of this episode for me was Shawn Michaels showing up again, and they're, they're really driving strong, like promoting this Super Showdown match between Undertaker and Triple H, which is sort of like. 
up until this week was sort of eye roll worthy for me. It's like, what are they really doing with this? Like, why are the, why are they pushing so hard for this to be mm-hmm. a big deal? It's already like a big enough deal. Like people are going to watch it, but the, man, they're really like going all in with it. Like they're bringing Sean back just to like promote this match. Like, good Lord. And, you know, no surprise to anyone that Sean is taking Triple H to win and everything, you know, Undertaker ended Sean's career and stuff like that. Uh, HBK and Stone Cold, same picks. That's right. His fellow Texan, as he, as he said in his promo. <laughs> but with The Undertaker then showing up, this to me was the like one of the best Raw segments we've gotten in a long time mm-hmm. since like the Festival of Friendship. Th- th- this was two just absolute masters of their craft, two of the greatest of all time. God, they are they are building to, to sum up. I mean, if you didn't see it, like pause the podcast and go watch it and go watch it like three <laughs> times. I, I I watched it like three times the night it happened. I watched it the morning afterward. I watched it today coming in to record. Uh, I am obsessed with this segment. I thought it was so well done with the Undertaker showing up, interrupting Shawn Michaels, and basically calling out Shawn that uh, he's he's claiming that Shawn's not over the fact that Undertaker took his career from him. That's why he's picking Triple H. And just Sean's reaction to it is like, that's what you think this is about? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm a man of my word and a man of honor. I'm I'm staying retired out of respect for more than anybody, respect for you. And also, like, he kind of broke a little kayfabe as far as we know in this wrestling business, there's a lot of guys who throw that out there. Like, yeah. they're retiring, but then they figure out the way to come back, like, a year later or something. Totally. And, and, and I, that's that's why this was so special felt so special and real and raw was that they were and this is why the build-up for their two previous wrestlemania matches were so good because Mm -hmm. their interactions the way they play off each other they don't pull any punches and they talk about stuff that like wrestling fans talk about with one another Mm -hmm. and so the fact that he referenced the fact that hey yeah guys in the back ask me every year like it's well known like people want to have a dream match with Shawn michaels it comes up all the time he says he's left millions of dollars on the table yeah because even was it just earlier this year like people speculating all oh, aj versus Shawn michaels at royal rumble ago, johnny gargano and stuff like mm-hmm. that you know like there's all these people daniel bryan like people that like want to have a dream match with hbk so like he's talking about very real things with the fact that people don't usually stay retired in wrestling and talking about how yeah it's out of he wanted to be a man of his word and he's left all this money on the table all this fame out of respect for the undertaker mm-hmm. and i'm like eating this up and like so <laughs> so when this is going down i'm like like it was i'm like are they doing what i think they're doing like are they are they trying to build something here and i was like sort of trepidatious about it like i was like i don't know like how i feel about this you know like this is awesome stuff that i'm watching but then the moment when undertaker says is it respect or is it fear and sean just like <laughs> shoots the dagger eyes at him i'm like <laughs> Oh, boy, I'm in. Super kick his ass. Like, take him down. I'm all in. I want part three. Let's go, baby. Like, I am, I am cocked, locked, and ready to rock. Like, let's let's do the damn deal. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised he did try to super kick him right there. That would have been pretty epic. It, he didn't, like, the like his reaction, like, the look on his face, like, that's what's really sold me that I think, baby, Huey, and you can uh, tell me your thoughts on it. I think that they're building to Undertaker versus Shawn Part 3 at WrestleMania 35. Absolutely. Well, at the beginning of it, it was, one, it was a promo for his new t-shirt, which... Well, he always shills the merch. Like, yeah. that's just a standard Shawn thing. Like, yeah, he makes yeah. a goofy joke about the merch he's wearing and, and stuff. And the network. Yeah, and all exactly. that stuff. he does that now, yeah. And then I thought, okay, he's just selling the, the the Australian event next month, the Super Showdown. Yeah. But then, yeah, the second half of that promo, I was like... 
Are they really working ahead for, I'm looking at the calendar, you know, six, seven months down the road? I'm like, this is pretty awesome laying that early foundation. So I'm like, I'm all in as well. No pun intended for Cody Rhodes, but yeah, I'm all in if they do this because it's, I can't believe it's what, like coming up on wait, eight years now, nine years since their, their last match. Eight years. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm down for this again. And just, I didn't realize one, they're both the same age and they both have so much history together and so much, they represent so much of that era that we grew up loving wrestling as far as our younger years. Yeah. It was a pinnacle point in our lives, just watching it every week. And so to see them go out one more time, of course, we're going to be totally into it and want to see it I again. I am worried, though, because what they did before was so perfect. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was two of the greatest matches of all time, ending ending the greatest career of all time. And then to revisit that is, it, it is a, it's a risk. It could be Godfather 3. It, it's, yeah, I don't think it'd be that bad, but it, it's, it's a risk, though. How I... You know, because you can't possibly eight years later. I mean, it's twice as long as Sean's first layoff. Mm-hmm. You can't pot, and you know, Lord knows, Undertaker's lost a little bit off his fastball since since WrestleMania. 26. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I mean, look at that scene, like, match. <laughs> so, I, I'm worried about it. But Sean, if if anyone can pull it off, it's Shawn Michaels. I mean, he's like Mister Match of the Year. He's Mister Steal the Show. He looked great. I, but I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I was worried. But the inner mark, like the inner Shawn Michaels mark that, like, I am not mature enough. Look, and I know it's scripted, but it's like I, I have not looked at The Undertaker the same way since he ended Shawn Michaels' career. And it was a great <laughs> moment that night of, and I was happy to watch it with the diehard Undertaker fan. And there's really nobody more fitting to end his career than The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. But I'd be lying if I was like, if I, you know, didn't want, like, revenge. Totally. Yeah, and and I think the the the... The thing that they, the only way they could cap this story better than what they have already done is if Sean, it's a sort of role reversal where Undertaker okay. has to goad Sean into one more match, which leads Undertaker to put his career on the line. Okay, and it's he's like you get you can come back for one match only because I know you want to you want to finish me, and yeah. and Sean because if Undertaker wants to have a last match against somebody, I think it's against Sean. Yeah. So if Sean then wins part three and retires the Undertaker and they both ride off into the sunset, that that's a beautiful story. Maybe Triple H is the special guest referee. They might do a triple threat, but the triple with Triple H in it, but the triple threat to me doesn't have as much appeal because I know Triple H isn't going to be done wrestling. Unless Correct. he's like super hard fast, like I'm retiring as well, then have the three of them go at it. But I, I think the beauty in that story is is if Undertaker and Sean both are done. And it's like they both retired each other. That's pretty poetic. Yeah. Well, so you got to think about it. I'm just from a business standpoint, looking ahead, it's WrestleMania 35. That's what we're predicting will might take place at 10 years after the first one. So it's a nice round number, 10 years, all that. It's, it just works out nicely time-wise. Also New York city market. It's the biggest yeah. market in the world. Yep. So what better stage to perform and go out like that than the New York city venue the atmosphere the crowd so i mean i could see and also i'm sure Shawn michaels has a lot of pride in himself his career paying respect to the business and to Undertaker and staying retiring his word i'm sure he would not tease the idea of doing this if he didn't have confidence in himself to go out there and deliver one last good match so yeah. maybe this has been in the workings for a while but i'm sure he's not saying this if it's Part of it, it's true that he's going to go out there and do one more match at some point 
at WrestleMania against Undertaker. I mean, it could all just be a big uh, big buildup for Super Showdown. Like, it could be nothing. <laughs> just get more network subscribers. It could be nothing. But, the again, the moment in time, just like where you, like, at first it started out with just, oh, they're just pimping Super Showdown. Yeah. But, like, when you, st- as a fan, when I was starting to realize, like, they're talking about something else entirely here. You know, the hair on my arm started to stand up. And, like, just the chills. I was like, dude, this is a moment. Are they doing this? Like, and and I, I didn't know how to feel about it. I was, I was excited. I was nervous. I was scared. I was all these different emotions. I was like, holy crap, that was amazing. That was such a great segment. Uh, and so I, it just I, – I, it, we'll see where they go with it. Well, I know you hurry, Lois. The other day we were talking, let's get our airfare, airfare and uh, uh, flights set up for WrestleMania next year and go check it out in person. Dude, and that's the thing. It's like it will be and it should be because I don't think Sean would come back for more than a one-match engagement because yeah. I think he – I do really believe that he means what he said in terms of wanting to honor that stipulation. And I've always said – uh, you know, before we even had this podcast, that if Sean were to ever come back in storyline, it would have to be Undertaker letting him come back for another match. Like, and he it, controls and, and his destiny. Exactly. Like Undertaker saying, like, if you wanted to come back, there don't be only one person you'd come for. Whew. I mean, is that's a, uh, that's a and, big matzo ball out and there. That'd be great for Shawn Michaels. Like, hypothetically, as you fantasy booking, they go at it, Sean defeats them. And ends Undertaker's career. So him and Brock Lesnar are the only two guys that are be Undertaker. Oh, Roman, yeah, sorry. But that's a nice little... It's uh, an elite group, and, elite group. And Sean being the one to end the career of the Undertaker is maybe no bigger feather in your cap. I mean, God, he ended the WWE career of Ric Flair and then mm-hmm. ends Undertaker's career. Yeah. It's not, so, not too bad. Yeah. I, 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 I am interested to see where it goes. Like that, that was definitely, other than all in, the biggest thing to me in wrestling this week. Is Shawn Michaels scheduled to be in Australia as well? Yes. Okay. And he's probably, the, th- the speculation is he's going to cost Undertaker the match, and that's what's going to lead to, you know, the the whole deal or whatever. But I, okay. I don't know. I'd, I'd also be fine if he didn't cost Undertaker the match. But, the uh, like, I, I'm fine if Undertaker wants to play the chaser at this point. You know, that he, okay. he puts Triple H down, like, in, in you know, because Shawn called him out and said, I don't know how much you have left in the tank. And... <laughs> That that's what I want to see, and I, man, I'll be I'll be upset if Sean loses again, like goes down zero and three WrestleMania to to Undertaker. But I don't think that's the story they want to tell. Yeah, he's Mister WrestleMania. I think they'll let him have. Oh, one. I think Taker would want that, and I know he respects the business. But there's that sort of idea that you go out on your back in pro yes, wrestling. Yes, exactly. So if that is to be his last match, I do think he would want it to be against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe maybe he originally thought it was going to be against Roman, but he just wasn't happy with how it turned out, and so he wanted to you know go out on a higher note. Yeah, no higher note than going out against Mr. WrestleMania, Mr. Hall of Fame. But we will we will see where that story plays what about out. Sting, I'm kidding. Yes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sting would have been a great opponent back in the day. Yes. Uh, okay, let's quickly just talk about. I think you know SmackDown. There was some good stuff, but really mm-hmm. the main thing was the continuing Daniel Bryan. Um, Brie and Miz and Maurice sort of feuding going on. I really liked what they did with it on this episode in terms of like the pre-recorded call out, them going to dinner, and it's sort of like just that chase around everything. What did you think about it? Well, it's also very funny just, yeah, like, okay, Daniel Bryan and Brie are like, okay, we're going to get some Italian food now as well and go find them. And sure enough, Miz and Maurice come back and they know they're gone, but they're like, we challenge them. No, this whole equation, I got to give props to Andrade 
And uh, for him, like, he's kind of like this middle person between this feud right now as far as, like, the weekly yeah. matches with Daniel Bryan. He's putting out some badass matches with Daniel Bryan the last two weeks. Yeah, I think it's a great spot for him to be yeah. in because it's keeping him in a prominent position on TV. Even mm-hmm. if he's losing, at least he's still, I mean, he's working with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like even in defeat, as you said multiple times as far as like what TakeOver does for wrestlers, even in defeat, you're still elevated. Yeah. So for Andrade right now, being called up on SmackDown Live, he had not had too much going on other than like with the Sin Cara feud he had a few months ago. Been kind of a little quiet right now, but I think him these last couple of weeks getting kind of involved with Daniel Bryan's business has been great for him. And as you said, even though he's losing, it's still great matches and it's adding some uh, value to his, uh, I think, his appeal to the WWE universe. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it was a fun episode of SmackDown. I also like the Charlotte Becky Lynch interaction that can that was on. great. Yeah, and I'm I'm really pulling for 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 Becky. But I don't, Stone Cold Becky, that's what I'm calling her now. Uh, I don't see I don't see her like Stone Cold at all. She's a badass she's, right she's, now. She's I love own, it. She's her own person. Not everybody has to be the next anything. Uh, but <laughs> let's let's give me my Stone Cold. Let's get to uh, let's get to NXT. Okay. Uh, and the one thing we got to talk about there it was uh, Johnny Gargano taking on Velveteen Dream and one it was it was a hell of a match mm-hmm. it was just so much fun but it's the continuing the story they're telling in terms of the continuing spiral with Johnny Gargano sort of try he's trying to get back to be Johnny wrestling but he like snaps again during this match I love the storytelling where he like sees the young Gargano fan in the crowd which sort of like stops him from getting like so brutal with Velveteen Dream because like he did this awesome sort of like rope hung super kick to Velveteen mm-hmm. Dream and uh, you know, was thinking about like DDTing him onto the floor, or onto the apron. Very heelish move. Yeah, exactly. Like g- g- being very brutal, like what he does to Champa. But he sort of stops himself, and but again, not fully in control of his emotions. Velveteen Dream calling him Johnny Failure goads him into it and eats the 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 Dream Valley Driver. Cost huge win for Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and continuing a very interesting storyline with Johnny Gargano and. Like I talked about last week, the fans rebelling against Gargano a little bit, you know, in terms of everything, which I don't want to see that go too far because I think Johnny's such a great baby face. But I think they need to continue on this storyline with him sort of losing himself and having to work him, work back up from the bottom and stuff like that. Yeah, it was very interesting. Like, I got a little sad hearing the crowd saying, Johnny wrestling, Johnny failure, like back and forth. I'm like, wow. Like, that I'm sounds like, like na 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 na. Hey, hey, yeah. good it's a bummer to me. I mean, not since, like, I mean, of course, like John Cena, do we hear that kind of like uh, crowd divided in half like that? And the fact that he walked not up the ramp, he took kind of went the sideway, like, like he was ashamed. So he kind of went out. To exit the the side of the arena, so it was yeah. just really interesting, just symbolic symbolically what that all represents, and just adding to the character right now and the direction he's going right now, this downward spiral. And so, and this is what I think I said a couple weeks ago was I think to get that ultimate baby face crowning achievement, you got to knock him down so low, rock bottom, yep. that it has so much more significant and special meaning when he does. Eventually, we hope win an NXT championship. So you and I were talking off the air. I think this is the long term story that hopefully maybe at WrestleMania weekend next year at their respective takeover, maybe that's his big crowning achievement. Finally accomplishing the goal that he's been on this long term path for yeah. winning the NXT championship. Hopefully maybe against Ciampa at that point. Maybe Ciampa has that long-term yeah. title reign in him. So Hopefully exercising I'm ex- that demon finally. Exactly. Take it out against the guy 
that kind of started all this for him. Yeah, so I'm I mean, excited. Maybe it won't last to WrestleMania, but I do think that that is the end, the end point in mind. I hope it does. If you and I were writing this, Jimbo. Yes, it would. Absolutely. <laughs> it's called WWE, at least offer our services for NXT. Be the next Freddie Prinze Jr. <laughs> Absolutely. Writing for him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like you said, this was a jam-packed episode. We know we've, we've kept you for a long time. Before we go, I just mm-hmm. want to plug our, our social media channels and everything like that. Mm-hmm. If you wish to opine, and we've loved all the interactions via email, again, that is in the click at gmail.com. Uh, we will start getting to those on the show in short order. It just seems like we always have so much to talk about that we just – we we. Have have trouble making the time. Well, plus we have guests coming to us. Want to be on the show already? So it's it's busy, busy in here. But I promise you, we we get your emails. We love them and keep sending them in. Again, that's in the click at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Facebook there as well. Give us a like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All yeah. in the click. Yes, exactly. So it's super easy for mm-hmm. you, and we'll, we're just launching those. So. You know, be 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 part of the click with us. We'd love to have you. <laughs> like our photos of you and I at WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. Pit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, for Baby Huey, I'm Bimbo Jimbo. That is going to do it for us this week. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya.